No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome back to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Moses gives various laws about justice, family, business, and warfare to the house of Israel. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Deuteronomy chapter 25 on Simply the Bible. In his review of the law, Moses continues to remind Israel of the rules of the house. We pick it up in Deuteronomy chapter 25. If there is a dispute between men and they come to court, that the judges may judge them, and they justify the righteous and condemn the wicked, then it shall be, if the wicked man deserves to be beaten, that the judge will cause him to lie down and be beaten in his presence, according to his guilt, with a certain number of blows. Forty blows he may give him and no more, lest he should exceed this and beat him with many blows above these, and your brother be humiliated in your sight." Society cannot survive without justice. It was the responsibility of the judges to justify the righteous and condemn the wicked. Now, if a person was found guilty in court and it wasn't a capital offense, then he would be flogged, probably with a rod. Now, that might seem harsh to us, but keep in mind that they had no prisons. Such floggings were, in fact, an effective deterrent against crime. Today, we spend on the average of $30,000 per year for every inmate. According to the National Institute of Justice, the recidivism rate over five years is about 77%. In other words, three out of four prisoners who are released will be back in prison within five years. So which system is better? Now, God limited the number of blows against a person to 40. This was to prevent abuse by overly humiliating or harming the guilty person. The blows were administered before the judge so that he could supervise them. Later, when flogging someone, they stopped at 39 to demonstrate mercy. Five times the Apostle Paul received the 39 lashes. Verse 4. You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. God is against cruelty to animals. So while the ox worked, it needed to eat. God said, don't muzzle it while it treads out the grain. Let it eat. Now, the Apostle Paul quoted this verse in 1 Corinthians 9. For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? Paul applied this to the pastor or evangelist who devoted his life to ministering the word. Paul's point was that he should be paid for what he does. The worker is worthy of his hire. Verse 5, If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, The widow of the dead man shall not be married to a stranger outside the family. Her husband's brother shall go into her, take her as his wife, and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. 
And it shall be that the firstborn son which she bears will succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. This is known as the Liverite marriage, and it strengthened the family bonds. Now we know that this practice actually existed before the law was given. Back in Genesis, Judah's firstborn son married Tamar, but he was wicked, so God struck him dead. Judah's second son fulfilled his duty and married Tamar, but when he had relations with her, he omitted on the ground because he didn't want to raise up a son in his brother's name, and that was evil in God's sight, so he killed him as well. Judah wouldn't give Tamar his third son because he was afraid that he would die too. Now, part of the reason for this law was no doubt to hold on to the estate. The widow wasn't to marry a stranger outside the family, but to marry within her own family so that her husband's inheritance would stay within the family. This law would also have the effect of perpetuating the name of the older brother since the firstborn son would carry his name. And a person's lineage was very important in Israel. Verse 7, But if the man does not want to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go up to the gate to the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to raise up a name to his brother in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Then the elders of his city shall call him and speak to him. But if he stands firm and says, I do not want to take her, then the brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elders, remove his sandal from his foot, spit in his face, and answer and say, So shall it be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house. And his name shall be called in Israel, the house of him who had his sandal removed. Now, here was an out. The brother couldn't be forced to marry his sister-in-law. And think about how miserable she would be if the brother only married her out of obligation. But to fail to perform this duty would be a disgrace. He was discharged, but it was a dishonorable discharge. And the widow would spit in his face and remove his sandal in protest. Then he would be known as the house of the unsandaled. This was all practiced in the book of Ruth. When Naomi came back to Bethlehem after living in Moab, she brought her daughter-in-law Ruth with her, who was a widow. Boaz was a kinsman redeemer who could marry Ruth and perpetuate the name of her deceased husband, but there was somebody closer in the family line than him. So when Ruth made it known to Boaz that she wanted him to be her husband, then he went before the city elders and made sure that the other man was present. Boaz told the man that Ruth had the estate of her deceased husband and that he needed to redeem it, or else he would. The man said that he would redeem it. But then Boaz said, In the day you redeem the property, you also get Ruth as your wife. And the man replied, Then you do it, for I cannot marry her without jeopardizing my own household. So Boaz got Ruth, and the other guy lost his sandal. However, no one spat in his face, because Boaz and Ruth would live happily ever after. Verse 11. If two men fight together and the wife of one draws near to rescue her husband from the hand of one attacking him 
and puts out her hand and seizes him by the genitals. Then you shall cut off her hand. Your eye shall not pity her. This law is so unusual and graphic and severe that I'm not even going to comment on it other than to refer to a proverb. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a dog by the ears. Suffice it to say that the woman would have been much better off not getting involved in her husband's dispute. Verse 13, You shall not have in your bag differing weights, a heavy and a light. You shall not have in your house differing measures. You shall have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and just measure, that your days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord your God has given you. For all who do such things, all who behave unrighteously, are an abomination to the Lord your God. Now the temptation was to use a heavy weight when you bought and a light weight when you sold. But this was dishonest. So God said you shall not have differing weights. There should only be a standard weight and measure. God cares about integrity in business. Some people divide the sacred from the secular. They go to church, but then they toss out their Christian principles in their business. That's an abomination to God. If you are a business person, and who isn't to some degree, then you should use Christ's principles in your business practices and be a person of integrity in all you do, as one who is serving the Lord. In England, a farmer was brought to court by a baker who purchased his butter from the farmer. The baker complained that at first the farmer gave him a full pound of butter, but he had cut it down so that now he was only giving him 10 ounces. Yet he still charged him for a pound. The farmer, in his defense, said, Your Honor, the only scale I have is a balanced scale, and so I take his pound loaf of bread and put it on one side, and I measure out the butter on the other side. If only we judged ourselves by the same standard we use for others. Verse 17, Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt. How he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at your rear, when you were tired and weary, and he did not fear God. Therefore it shall be when the Lord your God has given you rest from your enemies all around in the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess as an inheritance, that you will blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. You shall not forget. You'll recall that when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they were attacked from the rear by the Amalekites, and Joshua went to war while Moses lifted his hands and prayed up on the hill. After Israel defeated them, then God told Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. So Moses reminded them that after the Lord gave them the promised land, they were to blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. In Scripture, Amalek is a picture of the flesh, that is, the sinful nature. When we are born again through faith in Jesus Christ, then we come into the land of our inheritance. We have become a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away, and all things have become new. However, 
we must still contend with our old flesh that fights the new regime of the Spirit. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Thus, we often fail to be the good Christians that we know we ought to be. What is the solution? We must blot out Amalek from under heaven. We must crucify the sinful passions of our flesh. Romans 8.12 says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. If we don't put the flesh to death, then it will rise up to rule and ultimately destroy us. Therefore, may God help us by his Spirit to blot out Amalek. No house can run without rules. God's rules are both merciful and just, and anyone who practices them will be blessed. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Next week, we'll see where Moses finishes reviewing the law with Israel and points out that all of this is because they are God's special people. We hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Deuteronomy on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible